Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And real quick, I just want to thank my patron supporters, Rob, Robert, MJ, and Case. If you too would like to support me via Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash stormageddon. Um, I believe anything above the $3 level gets you a lovely shout-out on this show. Um, every little bit helps for me to continue to grow this and all the other podcasts I wa- work on, so go ahead and go check that out. But now on to this week's episode, which is with the incredible Angelique Rocher. Um, I have the benefit of knowing Angelique through very many nerdy circles, and she is an awesome human who is a podcaster, presenter, actress, writer, all-around nerdy badass um, who I enjoy hanging out with and chatting with, and I was so glad to be able to finally get her on the show. Um, We talk about a great many things from Marvel to DC to TV to movies to books to comics to pretty much everything in between. So uh, without further ado, presenting myself and the incredible Angelique Rocher. Enjoy. I mean, I am, but like... Oh, God. And the funny thing is, me and Kara are so very different about our podcast. Oh, I, I noticed. Oh. <laughs> I'm recording, by the way. Oh, it's fine. I know. Uh, wait, have you been recording the entire time? No, no, no. no. I just turned it on because no, I wanted to get I think some the, levels. I think the greatest thing is because we are different is what makes the show so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, it's funny going to see it live. Like, the dynamic I saw in the room is the dynamic I know you both for. So, like, to me, it's just, like, <laughs> hanging out with my friends while everyone else is in the room is, like, are they okay? It's like, like what's being, happening? It's like being in a living room. And, yeah. it's, and it's totally fine. So, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting because she is uh, an editor and uh, brilliant with anime and just... It just so smart about comic books and so smart about universes and so invested in seeing these amazing creators, particularly on the independent comic side, get amplified and elevated in such a way. And I think the thing that we have in common is that we are so utterly fascinated by people. Yeah. Um, Different parts of people's stories fascinate (laughs) us. And you can kind of tell it's like this pull and push situation that works out really well, particularly when we've actually had sleep. Um, <laughs> normally when there are margaritas. Uh, but this this genuine fascination about people's lives and how they got there and what makes them a storyteller. Well, that's what I love about all of the things you do. Uh, by the way, we're recording. I'll figure <laughs> out how much of complimenting caramel I live in because I, I know mean, that drives I her nuts. I can compliment caramel. All day. See, I have to ask you, if you have a friend that you love who gets annoyed by compliments, does it make you want to do it more? Because it makes yes. me want to do it more. Yes. Okay, good. So yes. we're on the same page. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, what I love about all of the things that I've seen you put out into the world, and there's a lot of them at girl. this point, is that I'm, even if I don't know the guest, you're fascinating enough that I want to listen. Oh, thank you. It, and it's true, because Marvel's Voices, like, and, and we'll talk about, we'll go through a lot of stuff, but, like, starting with Marvel's Voices, I got into that because I knew you were ready, and mm-hmm. I knew you were attached, and I don't know who half of these people are, because I don't <laughs> read current comics. I love old comics. Like, you know, I, I knew the gentleman whose name always escapes me. Who like Roger Virginia. Stern old yeah, comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 80s, 90s? Oh, yeah. Okay. I have uh, anthologies of, like, Superman and Green Lantern and oh, Batman, nice. like, old school like hardcover, black nice. and white stuff. Um, but Marvel's Voices was great because your interactions with these people are great. And also, you it comes off so conversationally. Yeah. Like, you're the only person I listen to that sounds like me in the sense that you're just easy to speak with mm-hmm. and you just bring out information so easily from other people. Like, you don't have to pull or quiz them. Like, everyone just easily talks to you. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's one of these things that I realized a long time ago is that you know, when someone walks in and you've generally you've genuinely done research on who they are mm-hmm. and you've genuinely sat down and you come to them in a positive way about their work 
and you were interested about how it was created, um, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's great. Like I, rem- like there's, there's a point in every single interview, and my, my old producer used to say it where, the, the interviewee would go, whoa. How do you know that? Yeah. Or, well, I've never really thought about it like that. And it's because I never approach an interview in a way that I want to quiz somebody or catch someone or get clickbait. Because I honestly, I started off in arts and entertainment journalism. Um, I started off being fascinated, not just about the art people created, but fascinated about the story behind the art and why they created it. Mm -hmm. And, you know... And I was just talking about this today. There's a group from, God, I think they're from Kentucky. Don't don't quote me on this. Uh, but there was this group called the Nappy Roots. And they were, I think they only came out with like one EP. There's right. a lot of singles. Um, they're much like Dead Presidents. Dead Presidents, please make another EP. I need you to make another EP. Uh, so do the rest of us, but Ooh. I'm not holding my breath on that um, one. You're great. <laughs> Mind Sex was a great album. I mean, great single. Um, but point point being is, and I remember being at Fort Knox uh, in training, and I was just in my squad, and we were we were doing some field exercise. We we're in the woods. We we're supposed to be cooking some food. I'm sitting down. Six two, country white boy showed up like. Should have been wearing cowboy boots and a hat. <laughs> and he started singing Nappy Roots. And I was like, so, I mean, that's the impact that I, I love to just talk about. Yeah. And a lot of artists don't, I will, some artists do come into it. And all artists are different, right? right. Writers, illustrators, actors, musicians, um, excuse me, uh, executive producers, uh, uh, music supervisors, they're all ridiculously different, and there's all something so fascinating. The way they dress, the way they stand, their favorite music. Um, you know, we just had this interview with Greg Pak, which you were at. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about talking to Greg Pak, Greg, is it Pak? I think it's Pak or Pak. I don't know. It's Pak. Um, um, Apologies, Greg, though you're not listening. Sorry, sorry, Greg. <laughs> we are definitely going to listen to this. Tell me. I'm going to send it to you. Um, I I love, and I always get the name mixed up because it is, his name is similar to another word that means park. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we all grew up in America and Pac-Man is a big deal, our brains automatically go to Pac. Yeah. To Pac. Um, but I think it's Pac. Um, and so it, one of the fascinating things about Greg, um, is that he always knew he wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And, you know, the influence that writing had on him, but also the influence that nerd culture had. Like, this guy was a Boy Scout and loved the woods and, like, rode a bike and tech. Like, his life was basically Stranger Things. Like, he's, <laughs> he's that kid that was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, literally... Copyright infringement on Stranger Things, minus obviously the upside down Greg's life. And for me, being able to talk to him, particularly as a kid who comes from a mixed uh, race background, mixed ethnicity, who grew up black in the South, uh, but also grew up kind of not fitting in. Yeah. um, It's so amazing to see how he's translated this idea of representation into such a glorious legacy. Oh, yeah. Like, the man created Sakaar. Like, it, it's... And it's funny about that, going to that episode, like, I was going because I adore you and Karima, and because your conversations are always great, but what was great about that is, like, when I'm in the room... You know, the princess who saves herself and Planet Hulk come up and I'm like, oh, I know those things. Holy shit. It's that Greg. Like, because I'm sure I've heard his name over the years, but I'm not super familiar with the people making the comics. I just, it was not a thing that I always knew. I don't have favorite comic artists or comic writers. I'm sure I would if I really think about it. Besides, like, people who I know now, like Matt Fraction and others who I've read more recently. But as a kid, I just read what was ever was in front of me. So it didn't really matter. But I loved finding that out and then realizing that as you did in real time, holy shit, this is the guy who created Sakaar. Yeah. Like we have it and Jeff Goldblum because of that guy. Right. <laughs> right. 
And you you get into this really cool situation where you start meeting these fascinating people like Michael Fassbender. Yes. Um, Fosse is the nicest guy. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston, nicest guy. And I'm, this isn't a name drop. It's you look at these people on screen. Yeah. And, you know, when you get a chance to sit down with a, a Taron Egerton. Yeah. And you realize that Taron Egerton is not only playing a Gelfling. Yeah. In the new Dark Crystal. <laughs> that Taron Egerton loves the, the Dark, Dark Crystal. Crystal. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, you are just like every other nerd. Yeah. You just happen to be hyper talented in a space where you really want to do this. Yeah. Or are you... And there's just so many actors like that. Um, I remember my first interview uh, for Marvel's Voices. I was interviewing a guy from Legion, and oh yes, um, I remember that episode. That was a good one. And when you realize that, you know, he didn't realize he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. But then, he. I mean, he really wanted to be like he wanted to play basketball. Which obviously, this tells you how much I love artist stories. Prince was like, either I am going to be a famous NBA player or a musician. <laughs> and when you think about the fact that when Prince stopped growing, he's like, well, well I guess it's guess only I'm one. I'm not going to be an NBA player. Still dope at basketball, still played on the high school basketball team, but he also took music business three years in a row. The same class. Three years in a row in high school because he knew that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. And there's so much. It's no different than a person who grows up at 10 years old and wants to be a doctor. Yeah. And save lives. And I honestly think comic books and popular culture and movies and all of our fandom, they do save lives. Oh, absolutely. They, they Without a doubt. Disseminate messages. Like, you cannot separate our social economic cultural zeitgeist from who we personify as superheroes yep and who we see as villains yeah and so for me the fascination is being able to talk to the artists that craft yeah that kind of work and being able to look at the different things that construct this world within a world mm-hmm. um, particularly prolific world builders right like when you when you think about the terry pratchett's and oh yeah you think about you know the justin cronin's who wrote the passage series because his daughter wanted to see a little girl uh be a hero yeah you know and and basically took vampires to a whole nother level um don't talk to me about mark Mark paul glossling getting (laughs) cast in that but it it's great um, show and I think you know talk about the fact that this guy was a book editor yeah. I mean a, a book critic that this guy was a book critic and you can see the expertise of being a book critic as you see all of the parts of how he crafted right. this really well done deep character dive series um, it's just it's, it is it is utterly fa- oh you look at R. R. Martin. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, oh, what is the what is the name of the show that came out on sci Night Flowers? Night yeah. Night Flyers? Yeah. The fact that that character was always supposed to be a black woman. Yeah. And then you look at the contrast of how much you're like, okay, so where are the black people in the rest of your stories though, dude? But that character who was supposed to be stronger than and smarter than and an enhanced human being who's supposed to save everybody but also is ostracized by her crew was a black woman from the get-go regardless of what was on the novel yeah regardless of that really bad movie (laughs) that was made out of it always supposed to be a black woman and you go why why this care like i would love to sit down and talk to him and go but what or, or Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend and basically goes, no, I really just wrote the book and I thought about what would I do if I was the last man on earth? And then personifies the fact that human beings in this story are the monster. Yeah. 
And then you look at every single recreation of it and the complete rejection by directors and writers and screenwriters that human beings are the monster. Yeah. If you look at every single movie adaptation of that book, it rejects the thesis that Richard Matheson was trying to put forward. And it, 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 it until the fact, and, and there are probably other there are probably other experts on horror and suspense that, that 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 could give other examples of this, but the girl with all the gifts, where finally the main character, um, and I love the movie version, but the movie version and the book version are, are, are different. Um, but in in, an, in not a lot of ways, they're actually they're actually pretty close to it. Where the girl in the movie version goes, um, and I'm sure the quote is a little different in the book. Um, we are the next. We are the next evolution. You have to die so we can live. And she's a hybrid spore zombie and human <laughs> and it's just this this understanding that oh you've you've written a book that was successful where human beings have become obsolete yeah and we die yeah cool <laughs> it can work right and and you think about in your head what what was the what if in their head like right what 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 influenced them as kids like what what was the first thing they wrote was it was it R.L. Stein was he writing jokes like R.L. Stein as dry as he is wrote a comedy magazine yeah like there's actually some sick comedy and goosebumps and you're like why am I laughing because R.L. <laughs> Stein was a comedian well is a comedian he's still living he's still living yeah um and I just think all that is fascinating. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a tangent. I mean, it's it's good to know that you have no feelings about nerd culture at all nope. or nerdy None. properties. Nothing. Nope. None. Um, None. Don't get me started on Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could do a whole podcast probably with you just on Star Trek. Oh, so many ex- except for except for Voyager. Yeah. It is. It is the dark hole of my knowledge. It's okay. Are, You're allowed. Well, I also think there Enterprise are people... is mine mostly because I just couldn't get into Scott Bakula, who I love as the lead. He like he just have stayed in Quantum Leap. Yes, agreed. You had one set by, and you were really good at it. Um, but like, <laughs> but he will always be a captain in Star Trek. You cannot take that away from no, that that's man. true. And he will always show up for every convention because, in his mind, that is the apex of his life. My theory. Well, you know, you do what you can. Look, I met Lou Ferrigno at a convention. He was the sweetest human on the planet. But also, when I tried to take a photo with him, went, that'll be 40 bucks. And I went, all right, I guess I've, I'll respect that. This is your gig. But, you know, it, but, but that's real. Like, that, yeah, that of actually, course. That, not saying that happened at Y Comic Con. I think it was is a, is a different situation Y Comic Con. Yeah. Um, but I also was in a situation where I really wanted to take the, this picture with the magician's cast mm-hmm. because one love that love Grossman I don't agree with everything you do <laughs> in your books but I really do enjoy the characters you have you have you have been able to create because they are complicated and complex and imperfect and strong women characters yep. um, that are all of the above and, and men who are allowed to have emotion and and it's I can talk for, about the magician's for days, I actually had a, a great opportunity to interview. Um, does he play Rafe, the guy who's in love with the sloth? I'll take you at your word. Um, point being is, and I really wanted to take a picture with them, and I was a little too jerking to go take a picture with them in the beginning because I was yeah. also on a panel. And they were like, oh, we just in it. We shut down the thing. Technically, we were charging, and we didn't want to make... They didn't want to make everybody else feel like, oh, this woman yeah. had just walked up and asked for a selfie. Yeah. And then didn't pay when everyone else had paid. Right. And I was like, you know what? Can we get all of them in one picture? You tell me how much that costs. I will go to the ATM. I will get that Right, cash. of course. Because also, y'all came... Because some of them live in Vancouver and some of them live in Cali and they had flown out for this. Sure. And they came and I was like, absolutely. I will go get however much it costs. Right. And I think it ended up being like 60, 60 bucks. Whatever, yeah. I mean, and I, I 
not to disregard the fact that 60 bucks is a substantial amount of money. Right. But also it's the same reason why I went to go, I went to my first New York Comic Con. I got one ticket for one day. Mm-hmm. And I got one picture because it was Pearl Mackey. Mm. And because Pearl Mackey had played the first woman of color lesbian on Doctor Who yep. with natural hair. Yep. And I was, and God, when I tell you, um, I love me some Martha. Oh, sure. Um, Freema is amazing. Martha is one of my favorite companions. She often, is. often at odds with other Who fans, but I loved her. She, she is, she, I think she had a much better uh, ability to spread her wings on Torchwood. Yes. Than she did on Doctor Who. And I think there were different writers that she was able to establish a much more complex, well-rounded character with. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think she's doing a great job on New Amsterdam. I had the ability to meet her a couple weeks ago, and she's just absolutely bloody lovely. Like, she's just (laughs) the nicest human being. But she got several seasons, and then Torchwood, and Pearl Mackey, and, and this, look... Moffat, God bless you. Glad there's a new showrunner. I, at the beginning of the season, said, and I, and I said this on Reality Bomb, um, if you turn this black person into a Cyberman, I'm taking a break. Yeah. I'm taking a break. You turned Mickey into a Cyberman. Yep. You turn my boy Danny Pink into a Cyberman. Yep. Was it Ricky? I think Ricky, not Mickey. Yeah. So his doppelganger still got killed while fighting the Cybermen. I know there's a doctor. There's a lot of Whovians who are like Angelique, you're wrong. Yeah, it's but, fine. But then you turn Danny Pink, which that messed was, up the whole paradox. Don't show me so a great, 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 great grandson, and then turn the man. Yeah. John with you. Um, <laughs> and if it, if it, and if it wasn't for, um. This transition into the new doctor and this like this revolutionary transition and my love for Matt Smith and my love for David Tennant, mm-hmm. um, who by the way are both very awkward in their own. I've interviewed both of them and I yeah. say, when I say awkward, it is a compliment. Yes, um, they're lovely human beings, but to have if, if it had not been for this transition to a new showrunner, if it had not been for the transit, I would have been like, I'm done. No, I felt the same, but uh, after seeing the clips of Jody and And Jody's seeing, so bloody lovely. And seeing the ensemble, which is what the show has needed since like the second season of the reboot. They needed an ensemble. We needed yeah. not needed romantic to... interests. We needed people who could fall in love with each other, but not the doctor. Well, Leave you need to go back to the original the original concept, right? right? Um, and not in a bad way. Like, look, we could talk about Doctor Who for days, and we won't. Um, Even though we, the first time we really ever hung out together was at a Doctor Who bar, oh, the way station. Way station. Um, but, uh, but no, yeah, I feel the same way. Sarah and I watched most of the new season. I think we've seen all of the episodes. We saw up to the New Year's episode. I don't know if there's been anything since. No. Um, and, I, and I have friends who are very conflicted. I have, I have, I have friends who just want big monsters, and yeah. they want. And I and I was borderline about to write an article, and I just didn't because I just I didn't want I didn't want the blowback. I didn't have time for the blowback. But this season was the first season where they put the power back in the hands of the humans. Yeah. To solve their own problems. Yeah. And the doctor was just there to guide. Right, which is what the first couple seasons were, and even the reboot first couple of seasons. Like that's what was great about Eccleston is for the most part, even though humans drove him bonkers. He also, he had no and all faith in humans at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's what made, and same with Tennant in the first couple season, in the first season, at least. Like, and Matt Smith even for moments, but like, by the time we got to Peter Capaldi, he's like the savior. And like, and I liked Capaldi as the doctor because he reminded me of Eccleston. I just didn't like anything he was in. I, just, I know. I like Danny Pink. I know. Danny Pink he was, was great. great. I loved Rory. Rory is honestly one of my favorite companions. Arthur Darvin. Is the best. He's the only reason I watched Legend of Tomorrow, which I ended up falling in love with. He's the like, reason why I started watching. He's yeah. not the reason why I kept watching, but he was yeah. definitely the reason. I was like, <laughs> you're a time. You're a time person. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I, I see you. Um, I see you. There's a, there is actually a couple of uh, Doctor Who alum that have weaved their way into that show. Yep. 
Um, um, but to take it back to... Yes, sorry. We have, no, it's we've fine. gone on a nerd tangent. Look, if I can get you to talk the whole time, then I've done my job because I don't want to hear me and <laughs> most people aren't turning in to hear me. They're turning in to hear you. Um, but what I, th- I think what I love about all the work that you're doing on sci-fi, on Marvel, with the podcasts is your ability to engage with people on a level because you're just genuinely interested in the day-to-day stuff. And like... And that's why I think when you interview people like Michael Fassbender or Matt Smith, you can get a great interview because they can read that immediately. There are certain people you meet in life that you can immediately sense their vibe and you're one of those people. For me, it was like, oh, I can be buddies with this person because like, I get her already and, and you're just the kindest person I've ever met. Aww. After after meeting and loving your wife, I take that as a huge compliment because <laughs> my wife's pretty great too. Your wife is pretty amazing. <laughs> um, but I what I love about specifically Marvel's Voices is it's a show where you just get to know these people that you have on, mm-hmm. and you let them geek out too. Oh yeah, like oh my which gosh. is my favorite thing. Oh my gosh, that's that's the best part about it. Now with Marvel Voices, did is this something? Did you have to audition for the podcast? Did you already have a relationship with Marvel before it came out? I, d- I did. I I voice. I did uh, an audition. It's I mean the same way you get any gig. Right. And because the show just feels very made for you, <laughs> to me anyway. Like if anyone else had hosted the show, I'd be like, nah, <laughs> no, this is Angelique's show. Well, I I I, I contribute that to uh, good producers. Mm. Um and great editors. You know, it's the people, right? Yeah. It's when you know it's about the amazing diversity of creators who have this opportunity to sit down and talk about their work, but also their fandom and what they love and why they created. It's like talking, and I and I actually had a chance to, and and this is great. I had a chance to sit down with Chris Anka. Um, Mariko Tamaki and Cena Grace at FlameCon. Oh, nice. And we did a panel at FlameCon last year. And subsequently, I've interviewed them all in long form on yeah. Marvel's Voices, but uh, which is available. And they're all three completely different and completely brilliant. And their stories yeah. are, like, when you think about, and we, and we sat there and we talked about this at FlameCon. When you think about Cena Grace's... Iranian American mm-hmm. from Cali who knew at 12 years old that he wanted to do comics and then intern for a comic book company in Cali and then went to college and convinced them to allow him to do a dual thesis um, that was both illustrated and written because he wanted to be an illustrator and a comic book writer. And you talk about a man who's now written Bobby Drake. He's now written Gem of the Holograms. He's now written for Archie. He's now written for The Labyrinth. He has worked at Marvel and Boom. And you talk about this man who wrote an autobiography of his own life, right? And then you look at a Chris who wanted to do animation and went to a performing arts high school who, you know, had a creative influence as a kid who is Asian-American, although when you're from Cali, no one knows, but is, <laughs> but is Asian-American um, and now a big fan of BTS, for the record, um, was not before. <laughs> but when you look at him and you realize that he talks about how his room had magazines on the walls, but it was completely neat, mm-hmm. and how one of the biggest challenges of drawing Chase's room is that he's this high school kid who is not neat. Yeah. Um, but then you look at how he dresses in this really cool way where it's very neat and it's very standard, but it's got all of these patterns. And when you think about how his tattoos are, they're very neat and they're very uh, discernible. And they're almost like thinking about his wall. Yeah. And then you think about Mariko Tamaki, who writes these beautiful graphic novels about coming-of-age stories that deal, deal with queerness and... You think about how, you know, she used to do performance poetry in Canada um, and worked for uh, a queer performing arts space. And, you know, she's now writing X-23, who is this amazing strong woman, or like a shaman. Mm -hmm. Like, and you think about how 
the stories that are so important to us are coming from this diverse group of people or Saladin Ahmed, uh, who, you know, whose grandmother, his grandmother read him uh, A Thousand and One Nights and how that influenced the storyline for Exiles. Yeah. Um, but also how he can take a step back and as a dad of twins, Oy. of twins, <laughs> Um, but also as a person who used to live in Brooklyn, write Miles Morales or yeah. or write this amazing detective comic about a black woman detective in the 70s in Detroit um, as an independent comic, right? And you, you realize that our stories are so rich and creative because they are geeks. Yeah, because absolutely. Because they love the genre they write in because... They are, they they see the stories in their heads, mm-hmm. and it's you know, Chris used to do like storyboarding, I believe, for Ninja Turtles. Nice, right? And then you look at um, Anila Magruder, who did storyboarding and 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 wrote her own web comic, basically before people called them web comics. Yeah. And she's been obsessed with animation since she was a kid. And these brilliant people are creating our modern mythology. Of course they get to geek out. <laughs> right. Right? If they weren't geeked out, they wouldn't create such vibrant and amazing and like you know, I'm I'm obsessed with two comics right now. Um, self made. Uh, which I was really excited the author actually signed a couple copies for me at C two E two and crowded and both of them are and i think this is because i used to be a computer geek both of them are based on this idea of technology Mm -hmm. self-made deals with this concept and I'm, i'm still in the middle of catching up but it deals with this concept of a main character who is inside in the first issue is inside a matrix that's glitching of a virtual reality game and crowded which is so amazing as two main characters and and you know what she's basic charlie (laughs) is very basic and you you have this detective protector and it's all based on this concept of what if you could crowdsource somebody's assassination huh anyone's it doesn't matter that person has 30 days to live um and if they can survive the 30 days then you can't ever do another crowd campaign again um, I think Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson has actually um, optioned it. Oh, cool! And and when you think of things like uh, Umbrella Academy, and you think of these concepts of, you know, it it's just deadly class. Yeah. Um, these amazing com- or LaGuardia by um, Nettie Okorafor, who, by the way, her novellas are brilliant. Her story is fascinating. She's like she was almost a professional athlete who had a, a issue with her back and went to a surgery, and there was some rare surgery issue that happened, and she was paralyzed. And she was in the bed. So she started reading sci-fi, and she realized there weren't enough black characters. And so her friend was like, "Write it," and she went to school. And before she finished her first, like she she'd written a novel. Yeah. Right, and she can walk. Right, like it's it's. People's stories are building what our future is going to look at when we're gone, and and maybe maybe I'm 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 biased because I so a lot of people don't know this. My third cousin um, is a Presidential Medal of Honor Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Okay, um, who used the story of our family. Uh, in one of his most classic books. And I think because I know so much of the history of our family, I am very rooted in how powerful stories can be because they change how we look at the world and how we feel like we belong in the world. Yeah. And so when you see an Afro-Latino Spider-Man or you see a queer 
Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie on screen, and then yeah. you see a Saladin Ahmed use that Valkyrie. Yeah. You know what I'm like? It's just. Well, and I think what I really love about all the work that I've consumed of yours is that. So I have to ask: Did you always want to be some a, a form of presenter or storyteller? Like, is that something that you've always wanted to do? Um. Yes. Uh. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I realized until I sat down and did it. A self-examination. So I actually, I started in, um, I always wanted to act. Right. And when I was in high school, I started doing photography. And I went to college. Mom was like, acting, uh, might end up being a waitress. You should get a print journalism degree. So I got a print journalism degree, telling stories. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually editor of, Ar the, of Ar Arts and Entertainment. Oh. So I told Arts oh, stories. that's awesome. Okay, yeah. Um, and I went from that to law school, which is basically the same thing if you look at it. At, at its very core level, even a legal brief, it's telling a story right. from a very specific perspective to get an intended outcome. Right. Um, and so I went from that, and I, I got an LLM, and I went uh, and worked on the Hill thinking I needed to get a real job. <laughs> but I still kept writing stories. And I kept painting and I kept dancing. And for 12 years, I was a performance poet. Um, and so I wrote poetry and did that kind of work and would start short stories but never really finish them and start novels and never really finish them. Um, there's a, a You mean as story. an artist, you started projects and, and then they never, fell? That never oh finished them? Oh, my God. That never happened. Novel. All <laughs> puns intended. Um, there's actually a story I need to finish called Michaela Needs a Vacation about a writer who can't finish her second book um, and works in a funeral home. Don't steal it. I know who you are. Um, it's a great story. Um, and, and I think... Even going into politics, I always viewed, as, as whether I was a regional director or a campaign manager, I always viewed the personal story or the branding or the overarching story we were trying to tell people as what rooted us. Mm -hmm. um, even when I, I, I worked at the vice president at the Ms. Foundation, like the whole idea is what story are we trying to, trying to present? What image are we trying to present? What is your story? Because... People like titles and, 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 and people like like money, but people are fascinated about a story. People get invested in a story. And I think that's why I love Vida Ayala's work or, or, you know, one of my favorite writers, two of them actually, um, Sparkle Hater, uh, who wrote The Chelsea Girl, Murder Mysteries? God. Um, I'll have to remember the names. I have all of them at my house, and I'm just blanking. But Sparkle Hater, who I, I found in, in Barnes & Nobles when I was, like, 16 years old, um, I got invested in her main character because she's this bumbling, fumbling uh, news journalist anchor who just can't keep herself out of trouble. Right. Um no, no similarity. No, at nothing. All. Yeah, you're not no seeing yourself in that character at all. Not at all. And then there's this glorious uh, book called The Ruins of Ambery uh, by Melanie Ron. Hey, Melanie Ron, finish the last <laughs> novel in this series. People she is have been also waiting not listening to the podcast. since 1994. <laughs> um, and Anita Blake. Um, yeah. The Anita Blake Murder Mysteries. Uh, that I, I love so much. Like, every single one of these, as I go back and I think about them, are all these stories. Even Interview the Vampire, um, Jurassic Park. Like, oh, yeah. all these stories that I, were these rich stories that had you invested in the characters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, Jurassic Park is one of those books that I was disappointed. Like, I'm not that guy who goes to see a movie based on a book and go, oh, it wasn't as good as the book. But Jurassic Park was because yeah. I was obsessed as, oh, a, as a young boy with that book. I was sneaking in, I remember I was in eighth grade Louisiana history class. Yes, folks, I am from Louisiana. Um, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> yes, you are. No, it's fine. Nerd. It's good. Uh, I appreciate Mr. it. Mr. Somerville, and I was in the back of the class, and he used to hate this because I have a very good short memory. My long memory, sometimes I need to refresh. Um, like right now, Shouldn't have a problem knowing who wrote the Anita Blake series. 
I really freaking know uh, because I own so many of them. And yet you can't remember the name. It happens to me all the time. So that, so the Anita Blake series, um, which was the first time that I heard of more than just a werewolf. There (laughs) were were leopards uh, and were rats. Um, thanks to Laurel K. Hamilton, who also adapted some of those Marvel comics. I have them. Um, the Guilty Pleasures, at least. Um, this is back when Marvel was doing a lot of cool covers of stuff. But, um, I used to sit in the back of Mr. Somerville's class, researching from Tangent, and he would, I would be reading, and I remember I was reading Lost World, one day in class and this is when I could like read a 300 page book in like four days yeah and he would ask me a question thinking that I wasn't listening and then you would answer and the I question. would answer it my favorite and thing to do thank god Mr. Somerville loved pop quizzes at the <laughs> end of class and that's how he graded because I would never have to remember any of the facts after that day no they'd be done they- because they'd be gone. <laughs> I wouldn't remember them. Uh, and my teachers could never figure out how my grades were like C's. But somehow I could read three, four, five hundred page books very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I guess long story short, like, yeah, I, I think I've always been obsessed with the power of a story. I've always thought people were fascinating and I think I'm really blessed um, to be on this track of getting back into performing, and you know, all all of it is married. Like, yeah. All of it, all of it is married in this in this really strange way. Like even through my photographs, I loved telling a story. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, also I think we're living in a like things have never been better, and they've also never been worse. I say that a lot. Yeah. But when it comes to nerd culture, there are things cross-mingling now that when we were kids, you would have never imagined. Like, the fact that, and I promise no Endgame spoilers, that we saw Thanos in a giant battle on screen in Endgame. Like, you have to understand, like... Like, I never thought that could happen. The fact that... I interviewed (laughs) Starlin. Uh-huh. And he never thought yeah, right. that would ever happen. Because you, you, when you think about the guys from Image Comics, yeah. when you think about a Mark Silvestri, um, and cool-ass dude, man. Yeah. Cool-ass. Like, him watching him draw Wolverine, phenomenal. But when you think about these guys who went and did Image Comics and created... So much of the cult. Wanted. Walking Dead. Like, all of these amazing things that came out of that. And this owner-created situation. I mean, creator, owner, you you get what I'm saying. Um, And they knew. They 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 were bloody rock stars. Yeah. And then you look at a Chris Claremont. And you look at a, a Starling. These guys never thought. In a million years, this yeah. This would ever happen. Yeah. Like suddenly being a nerd is mainstream. Uh-huh. Suddenly the Bing, Big Bang Theory is one of the longest running TV shows. That literally is a show <laughs> that is about nerds. Yeah. It's, it's mind boggling. Like the fact that I can have candid conversations about what video games I'm playing because people know what the hell I'm talking about. Two of my podcasts are about video games and they are the more listened to ones because it's mainstream to talk about video games. When I was a kid and I would geek out about how Darkwing Duck had his own video game and my friends are like, what's Darkwing Duck? Like, and it's Darkwing just, Duck makes me so happy. Do you know he's back on DuckTales? He's back I on haven't DuckTales. watched it. I know I haven't watched the new season, but I do like that they play off the. I, I might I might own all of the seasons. Of we'll DuckTales have to hang out and watch if you wanna. I would like to. I yeah. might have. I might. I might have bought all of the season. You may passes. have. We may have to. We may have to hang out and watch. Caballeros came back. That's so good. That's great. Well, that cast is unbelievable. Oh, that cast and is, like. Did you know? Did, have you seen 
the episode where Don Cheadle uh-huh. is, a- is Donald Duck. For, first of all, the fact that of all the people to get Donald uh, to play Donald Duck, you get one of the smoothest talking, funniest, most charismatic dudes online right now. I'm losing my mind because I interview. I get to interview him next month. I uh, I don't. I, if if you're listening. Tell me what you want me to ask Don Cheadle. I don't know. Don Cheadle, if you're listening, thank you for listening to my podcast because it ain't it ain't happening. Because Don Don Cheadle's a did you wait? So funny. Today I was on the internet and somebody was talking about their dream. Oh, so Chelsea Peretti. Chelsea Peretti talks about how she no some person tweeted at Chelsea Peretti saying they had a dream that. Chris Evans was carrying Chelsea Peretti because her legs turned to holograms, and and Chris of course chimes in because he's perfect, saying he would be ble- that we'll get through this together. And then Don Cheadle retweets it and quotes it and the says, "Greatest thing ever." What about the guy who lost his legs? I just, <laughs> he's I like, just... it was just this interaction that happens. I don't even. I was like, it was what? like, what are we doing with the buzz with Detective How did Pikachu? We get here? Did you see the? Of course, you've seen the hour of of Pikachu dancing. And it's a it's a spoof of um, uh, a Keen Peel sketch, and that then Jordan Peel retweets it, going like, "I'm gonna sue them," or like, "Take get this taken Take down." Stop it now! And then, and then Ryan Reynolds interacts with them, going, "I've been trying to get it down for ages. I have no idea how this happened." Like, just watching watching celebs that I adore interact on the internet has been oh, it's so great. fun. It's amazing. And while most regular humans suck these days. Watching these most celebrity- regular humans just need some more joy in their life. That is definitely true. That I is got I got true. joy in my life, and New York became a little less stressful. <laughs> it does help. It does. It does. It does. They actually had a, a a report that came out that was like having a purpose in life equates to you living longer. Gee, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it, friend? Who would have? So I'd be remiss if I had... Having you on my podcast and you being the prolific nerd that you are (laughs) and not asking you what you're watching, playing, and reading these days. Mm. Okay, so Like, we already talked about how you need to finish Spider-Man for PS4 because it's I'm I'm very excited for Good Omens, which comes out... On my wedding anniversary. This this, this this, Friday. This Friday. Um, shoot, there's something else that comes out on the 31st. There's a new... I just finished the, the, the last season of Flash, which was actually really good. I fell off after the previous season. The guy, the guy who played Ragdoll, um, spoiler alert, was phenomenal. And I think the young lady who played, uh, Nora West Allen was really good. I've heard good things. There was, this, this season was, was particularly good. I think there was a lot of character development out of Barry and Iris uh, that I was God. looking for. Um, and there's a Rent alum. I always want to make I mean, sure. He, I he's, mean, he's, um, he's amazing. He's been, he was the reason I started watching, oh, was because phenomenal. for Jesse L. Martin, because he is just... Well, I mean, I was sad that Jesse was, was absent a lot of the season. Yeah. Um, I just finished watching the new season of Lucifer on Netflix. Sarah loves it. I haven't watched great. it yet. Uh, Tom is also a very fun human being that is a lovely singer. Um, if if well, I watched the opening of the new season over Sarah's shoulder, and he's singing "Creep," which was over and over again so because good. his heart is so broken. So broken. He's so um, flawed. But Tom, Tom really, Tom really loves the show, and I think it's really interesting because Tom comes from a family of uh, religious folks. Yeah. So like he has like. Celebrants and its family, so it's That's very awesome. interesting. Um, what else am I? I'm looking forward to Dark Phoenix. Really, I, I would. That's like, interesting. I would, I would like it to prove me wrong. I mean, that's how I was. That's um, what I was hoping. But I always, I, I always love seeing. I'm, I always love seeing Michael Fassbender. Yeah. I always. I'm very excited to see what Alexander Sh- Alexandra Ship does. Yeah. Uh, with Storm. Um, what else am I watching? What am I? There's something else coming out on Friday that I have been looking forward to for weeks, and my brain is not. I'm just like literally. Could you just drop? Could it like just drop now? Right. Uh, but May 21st is going to be a couple good shows. I mean, I still watch Grey's Anatomy. So does my spouse. It she is loves a it. thing that I love a lot. New Amsterdam, uh, which Freeman is on. Um, yeah, for me, it's mostly been about comedy. Sarah and I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Good Place obsessively. Oh, I love The Good Place. Also, Darcy Carden is a <sighs> bloody genius. Like, 
How are many you chants can there be? Speaking to a prolific podcaster as yourself, <laughs> are you listening to The Good Place, the podcast? I have not listened to it yet. It's hosted by Mark Evan Jackson, who opens every episode going, my name is Mark Evan Jackson. I play Sean. Like every, <laughs> the start of every episode. Sean it's so good. is like one of the best characters. I also love that he's pretty much the same character on both The Good Place and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I'm okay with yes. it. Because that's just, he's, that's yes. Mark Evan Jackson. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, any other shows that I'm really, I mean, a lot of my shows are getting pushed. Mm. Uh, I am watching Cloak and Dagger right now, Marvel's I Cloak and Dagger on Hulu. I need um, to start The it. season finale is coming up very, very quickly. Obviously, I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So am I. I am. Uh, I need Umbrella Academy. I need y'all to, like, hurry up on this, uh... Doom Patrol. I gotta go home oh. and finish Doom Patrol. It has been is it good? So good. I haven't watched. I mean, I it. get it. It's behind a paywall. I know we're in the middle but with of the Swamp paywall thing coming wars. out. You have my attention because I love the comics, cartoon, and movie. Yeah, I had the toys growing up. Nice. And it looks like this new. The movie was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I'm, I, it was really funny. And like the new one looks like it's gonna be more horror, which is what the comics were. Yeah. And so I'm actually interested in that. Yeah. Also, they didn't change how Swamp Thing looks. He's still got that weird brow. Nice. Look, he, like, he looks like the comic character, nice. which is what the uh, the first live action movie did. So. But I do I do love that they're taking these bents, right? Like yeah. Sabrina, the 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 what are they the teenage witch? The chaos. Oh. The chilling adventures of Sabrina. See, that's right. So this whole concept of the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Uh, looking forward to Dune. Uh, now that Jason Momoa is in it. Um, I mean, I'll watch him in anything. Just about. ready, right? Ready for Picard <laughs> to come out. Oh my I'm God! Did you watch the curious. teaser? It's fine. I know. Well, I mean, it doesn't tell it's you anything. Fine. But also, Patrick Stewart. I can't think of anything bad that he's done in a while. So, which like, is also probably why it's taking so long because he's like, no. Yeah. Um, um, also, they just announced today that Brent Spiner is reprising his role as Data, which has got to be CG, I guess, because Data doesn't age. Uh, Angelique's doing a dance y'all can't see but it's fabulous my data's back I, I actually him. really loved him uh, and a lot of people don't know he played this role he was Dorothy Dandridge's manager in the Halle Berry HBO uh, introducing Dorothy Dandridge really he was fabulous in that role um, and I was also extremely geeked and did a dance because I love <laughs> Dorothy Dandridge um, what am I reading right now? I am reading Children of Blood and Bone, if I ever freaking finish it. I am reading the second. I am a half reader. It takes me a very long time <laughs> to finish reading things. I am reading Nedia Corfor's uh, re-release of the trilogy of Binti, um, which has a new short story in it. And um, I'm also reading the second in the series of Justin Cronin's The Passage, um, which is brilliant. And I think the reason why it's taking me so long to read is because... Justin does such a brilliant job at taking himself out of, and I and I, I was discussing this with Sarah earlier. It's like some people are very good in writing in a very specific way, much mm-hmm. like some actors are very good in writing a specific way, and it's wonderful and it's brilliant, and you know that's just who they are. And then you have these other people who are so masterful at being able to take themselves out like and no spoiler alerts if you're reading the passage series please continue reading but there's a particular character (coughs) and i knew i was in love with there's these four characters that come together all on a school bus and they're trying to get out of the apocalypse and one of them has a mental disability he seems to be someone who is in his 30s who becomes a bus driver and drives kids around because he has the ability to do that but also is um on the spectrum okay and then he waits, and this is beautiful way he writes this chapter where it's from the perspective of the man, who's the bus driver, whose mother has basically committed suicide in a room, but he's not aware. He just realizes everything is stale. Yeah. There's a smell to the apartment. Like, there's a, 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 a shift in awareness. So he mm-hmm. gets in the bus. It's the one thing he knows in the apocalypse to do 
is to go drive his bus round. And he picks up these two kids and he runs into this guy who worked at the sporting store. And this guy in the apocalypse, the only thing he knows is to go back to what he knows. And he steals his manager's sports car. And they all come together. And it's just so brilliantly written that you get lost in the vibrant nature. And that Octavia Butler's the same way for me. Yeah. It it has taken me so long to finish um the second book of the parables because the scenes are so brilliant and vibrant and gorgeous and emotional. Um, and so I'm, I'm in the middle of reading those three books right now, which I'm, I'm in love with all of them. The fact that you can read more than one book at a time is astounding to me. So, it, it, it again, it takes me a while to finish <laughs> these books, um, but I, I love them for very different reasons. Um, and the comic book-wise... I am loving anything that uh, Eve Ewing puts out because uh, she's brilliant. She also has a brand new book out, uh, which I think everybody should check out. I need to check out. Um, anything Saladin Ahmed writes, uh, anything Cena Grace is writing. Um, I'm in love uh, with um, Jared Way's work. Yeah. Um, it's so funny with him. Like, I, I grew up loving My Chemical Romance, and mm-hmm. I love that music. Um, every year, the burlesque troupe I produce with, instead of doing a Halloween show, we do a, a My Chemical Romance burlesque yeah. show because that, to me, is what represents that time of year. Yeah. But, like, then I didn't love his solo work, but then discovering Umbrella Academy and, like, yeah. all when of When I his realized other work, he wrote Penny Parker, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm into it. Yeah. You're emo in the best way possible. Pretty much. Uh, and I'm trying to remember uh, what... So the guy who writes Crowded also has written a number of other books, um, and his work is really fun. Uh, and so I I have a, a distinct love for a number of writers, uh, and I'm sure I have not mentioned all of them at all. Anything Mariko Tamaki writes, I Chris Sabila. I don't know why I didn't remember that. He's written a lot. Um, it just, yeah, no, 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 no. And I, I want to actually get more back into DC. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love DC comics. I love Boom Comics. I love anything Greg writes. Um, big, huge fan of image, image comics. I don't want to, like, uh, seem like I'm... I do have several um, long boxes in my house. Uh, and I am actually a big, huge fan. My favorite comic book character is actually Harley Quinn. Okay, I can see that. Um, uh, I happen to love the Harley way she's Quinzel written in, a, in certain stuff, but yeah, it, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about the new Fifty Two. Well, that's because it didn't happen, as far we as we don't I'm talk concerned. about the new Fifty Two. Um, but just like this whole idea of where she came from and how she was written and how she was introduced in the animated series. Oh my god! As, yeah. as a character that was only kind of supposed to be there for a minute and then turns into a regular, and this whole concept of her bleeding over into multiple animated series and then Margot Robbie's portrayal. I still haven't seen it. Of Harley Quinn but I've heard and that's Suicide the best thing Squad. Is, yeah, I've heard that's the best thing about the movie. But Margot Robbie is brilliant. Margot she's great. Robbie is a yeah. very, very... She's a, a wonderful actress. I loved her in Focus, which is why... like, And, and, and it's funny thing. So she was in this movie called Focus with Will Smith. Which is a really great movie. It's very, it's it's funny and it's 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 irony. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing them again together in the Suicide Squad, I think is the best. Like that was the best part. Um, I know everybody's conflicted about Will Smith's rendition of Deadshot. I get that. I think there was a lot of limitations and way too much CGI in that movie. Yeah, which is what pulls you away. Um, and I think that's the balance of CGI, right? Like, yeah. you have to be able to uh, enhance the movie, not pull people away from the reality. Uh, and even um, Rod Serling said this. Yeah. Uh, this concept of, and this is why The Twilight Zone was so brilliant, why Rod Serling is so brilliant. And I think it, you know, Richard Matheson is so brilliant in the work that he's done, is that the story can't be so far removed that it is not believable in its unbelievability. Right. Like, 
you have to still be able, it becomes frightening because there is a possibility that it could actually happen, yep. right? Like it can't be so not rooted. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It can't be so unrooted. Sure. Grammar nerd, she'll get me. Yeah. Um, in our actual reality. Yeah. That it displaces the viewer. And it pulls the viewer, it disengages the viewer. Right. And so I think there is there is a limit to CGI that when used too much, um, I you know, like Justice League, Cyborg was too much. Yeah. He I, was, I, I, the I, way I, they portrayed him was like he was a guy in a CGI costume. Yeah. You know, he was. You needed to give him, and that's what I. That's what I like about the Doom Patrol. He's wearing a, a costume, much right? Better job, and I mean, I'm sure there's some CGI and there's some post, and right. you know, um, even with Brendan Fraser's character, technically Brendan Fraser is not in the suit. Yeah. Um, I think uh, there is an ability for it to still be believable. That that is cyborg, right? Um, for it still to be believable that there is a human brain inside of a giant suit of armor, a giant suit of armor, a giant robot man. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's why I actually enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I mean, I enjoyed it for a multitude I think of reasons. It's much better because they built a full world, and because those characters looked like they belonged in that world. That is why I predict that unless they do much more than recreating Sonic. Oh, yes. And so, so here's the thing. We've, we've had this discussion, and I, I won't go on too far of a tangent. Transformers worked because the Transformers always came down to Earth. Yeah. What the hell is Sonic doing on Earth? Yeah. What are you doing here? Especially since Earth is not where Sonic is from. Anyway. Why are you not on Emerald Island? Why or are you Mobius. here? Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Also, where's Ruby? Like, why are you here? <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, I, All right. leave, I leave you with those parting words. Why are you here? Before we wrap up, um, I just have to know what video game you're playing right now. Uh, I am playing. Uh, I'm always playing Just Dance, uh, but I am also playing. There is a Toad puzzle game. Oh, uh, Captain Switch. Toad's Treasure Tracker. Yeah. I love it so much. It looks fun. I haven't bought it yet, but it looks fun. I love it so right. much. I'll have to give it a shot. Uh, and I need to finish Spider-Man. And I also made the really bad choice of downloading... Um, shoot. It's the first one. It just came out with the third one this year. All the Disney characters are in it. Kingdom Hearts. Um, I made the very bad decision of downloading the entire collection of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, if you don't have the third one, you can borrow my copy. Uh, I have all of them. Oh, you have all of them. And now. it is a sad reality um, that I may disappear into my PS4. Do it because at some point uh, we can talk about Kingdom Hearts. I have a lot of feelings about it and how they misuse every female character in the entire series. Yeah, there's not one good strong one. They're all no. just objects of. This is why I haven't made it through because I'm like, oh, so you're all just helpless. But I will credit where credits due. All of the men have emotions, are okay to be friends, and value friendship so highly. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean. It's nice to see that they don't have to be manly men. Like I'm also playing DOA and holding off, but I'm going to download Soul Calibur. Oh, Soul Calibur is my shit. Soul Calibur is one of the first video games I beat after 18. Nice, excellent. Yeah, I I so like I used to just do dance games, rock band, fight. Like if it wasn't I miss Tekken. Rock band. So much. DOA, and I know DOA is problematic. It's, I, I get it is, it. but it's still a badass fighting game. It is game. a badass fighting game. Um, I do have it on the problematic setting. Please don't judge me. Look, you um, physics, they're important. Physics does not exist in this game, but great. Uh, and um, Tekken, Marvel versus... Although, I look, man, Marvel's versus Capcom Infinite. I, I just, haven't played it. I, I just, after the bad reviews, I couldn't it. do it. It was just... I think there is when people love fighting games. I'm a, I'm okay with cutscenes. Yeah. I'm okay with a storyline. 
It is like, what What was that meme I saw today with Pikachu's, with Pikachu from Detective Pikachu where it said, when you finally beat in the boss and then you realize the boss levels up to level two. Yeah. That's how I feel about Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. I'm like, I'm beating you. Why do we need these stones? Why do we need these stones? Don't worry about it. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is coming and we're all going to have a good time because that's going to be, that's my jam. So we'll, we'll, we'll play it's that. It's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing because Stephen Bloom is still Wolverine. And that's how it should be. Um, Angelique, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> this was great. Thank you for letting me ramble for however long we've been talking. Look, I, I, as if I can get you talking, my job is done. Because, again, having great guests. Well, thank you. That's very sweet coming from someone who is an expert at this stuff. Um <laughs> Aha, I've hit the point where even you deflect compliments. Um, please tell the listeners where they can find all your stuff and find you on the internet. Groovy. Uh, you can find me at AngeliqueRocher.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-I-Q-U-E-R-O-C-H-E. And you can find me at AngeliqueRocher on Twitter and at A underscore G-E-L-I-Q-U-E on the Instas. There you go. Check yes. out Marvel Voices. Check out The Radical Geeks. If and Geeksplain is coming out and now Geeksplain, on, I, I on iTunes. Oh, I saw that. You Very can bet exciting. your ass I'll be subscribed to that. Um, and so the last thing I'll ask you to do is we have a saying on this show that I created, you know, not to, to, to toot my own horn. But it's this idea that um, if you're making art, life isn't that bad. This idea that as long as you're creating, life is good. It started from my music podcast and I've adapted it to everything else. So the f- saying is music is life and life is good. And that's how we sign off this show. So if you could sign us off and send us out into the nerdy ether with that phrase. So music is life and life is good? That's it. Oh, I love it. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at crashchordsweb. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>